Would you open God's precious holy word? Second Chronicles 36 will also be in Second Kings 23 until the end of Second Kings tonight. We have a lot to look at. However, it flows like so much we have seen. So the principles of the flow are the same, just that the names have been changed to protect the guilty or the innocent. The reign of Jehoahaz, all of this has to do with Judah, where we're done with uh, the northern kingdom. The world here now for Judah becomes complicated. It becomes complicated because of evil leadership. The desertion of loyalty to Yahweh. So the three foundation blocks upon which Israel overall and, and Judah in later years was established, namely the temple slash priesthood, the prophets, and the son of David, the king, Though there were, there were checks and balances there. So when, when one would arise by the Spirit of God to correct the other or the other two, the Spirit of God would bring repentance. People would be restored. Now we have seen a brief revival under Josiah. But God, you will recall, promised that he would not bring about the destruction of Judah in the days of Josiah because of Josiah's obedience and Josiah's pursuit of the Lord. Josiah died in the battle of Carchemish. He was 39 years old. So now the people give reign. They call for his son Jehoiahaz. Well, let's look at this. The people of the land took Jehoiahaz, the son of Josiah, and made him king instead of his father in Jerusalem. Jehoiahaz was 23 years old when he became king. He reigned three months in Jerusalem. This is to be compared and contrasted with the demise of the northern kingdom. Same, same thing. There was, and, and it, and it, the point should be made here that it affects Judah, even though Judah has upon the throne the son of David, with whom God had a covenant. Sin has the same effects. You go back, if you can recall, when we were still with the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom, the northern kingdom mostly was evil in its leadership. Thus, it didn't last as long as Judah lasted. And then there was a really tremendous political conspiracy, assassinations, um, utter wholesale uh, collapse into sin and idolatry and 
kings, they were not sons of David, so they, they would conspire and figure out how to take the throne of what had been just a few decades earlier, the mightiest of the nations in that area when Jeroboam II was king. You may recall also that when Jeroboam II was king, although he did that which is evil inside of the Lord, Yahweh said, and we saw it, that even though the king was doing evil, he was going to grant a respite to the people because they'd been through so much because of their sins. So it's, it's kind of like he gave them uh, world power. They had the greatest military, the greatest economy. Um, they were prosperous and they became so prosperous that their prosperity ruined them. And that's one of the uh, that, that, that's, that's one of the stories of Hosea and especially Amos who prophesied during that time. Well, all that's gone, but the same principles of the effects of sin from top down are seen here in Judah, even though it was the son of David. We saw back in Jehoshaphat how there was a little crack in the door where influence from the from the royal family of Ahab could, uh, could come into the southern kingdom. And then it just went from there. And now in the last kings after Josiah, here's all we're going to see, just like we saw in the northern kingdom. He did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. So it moves, even though there are decades that are, are years that are passing here, it moves, it moves quickly. Now let's go back a little bit in time. The king of Egypt, the Pharaoh, Necho, the, the Pharaoh of Egypt at this point in time ruled this uh, Palestinian Syrian region. Uh, he was the top dog. He was the boss. And he was, you know, he was, he was the one who Josiah was going to try to stop and Josiah died uh, because it, it wasn't the purpose of the Lord for that to happen. For a space of time, the Pharaoh here becomes really the, 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 the main king, the main ruler, Egypt, the main power of that part. Babylon is growing, but has not yet completely defeated Egypt. So at this point in time, and that's, there's Carchemish and all that. But at this point in time, the king of Egypt is boss of Judah. He can, he can tell them what to do. He can go in and tax the people. He can go in and raid their treasury. There's nobody to stop him. They're too weak. Sin has weakened them. And so the land is collapsing. And the people are humbled before Egypt again. Pharaoh then kicks Jehoahaz off of the throne, imposed a fine upon the land of 100 talents of silver and a talent of gold. That's a lot of money. So he's showing the people, although the people said Jehoahaz is our king, the king said, nah, we're going to put somebody. So the people are powerless. You see, you understand. And this is because of the sin into which they have collapsed. Now here's, uh, here is the account of uh, Second Kings of the same situation. Chapter 23, Jehoahaz 23 became king. He reigned three months in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Hamatol. 
uh, the daughter of Jeremiah of Lebanon, not the Jeremiah that we know is probably. And he did what was evil in the, in the eyes of Yahweh, like all that his forefathers had done. So his evil was no different than the evil of other kings prior to him. And it has to do with idolatry. It has to do with uh, turning away from Yahweh. It has to do with no longer worshiping of Yahweh as Josiah had restored. It has to do with mistreatment of the temple and so forth. Pharaoh imprisoned him in Riblah in the land of Hamat to prevent him from reigning in Jerusalem. And he imposed a fine on the land uh, consisting of 100 talents of silver and a talent of gold. So he just went in and took this guy, young guy in his early 20s. He just took him. Said, I, I don't like you and put somebody else up as king. He's still a son of David. But look how much has changed since the time of David and uh, the time of Solomon. All of the warnings that have been made, the prophets who have been uh, risen up by Yahweh and the preaching and so forth. Well, here it goes then. Pharaoh Necho at this point in time is in charge of that whole region, which included Judah. So then here's the next guy, the one he put up, Jehoiakim of Judah. This is in 36, 2 Chronicles 36, beginning of verse 4. And the king of Egypt crowned Eliachim, his brother, over Judah and Jerusalem. And he changed his name to Jehoiakim. And, and that has to do with uh, uh, a, a deference to Yahweh. And so obviously Pharaoh Necho thought that this would, this would uh, appease the people a little bit. I don't care what your name is. This is going to be your name from now on because we want the people to think that you're godly. We want the people to think that God is in charge here. This is a political thing. Uh, Necho took Jehoahaz, uh, his brother, and brought him to Egypt. Jehoiakim, so that means here that Pharaoh Necho really is just in utter control of, of all of the political administration of the southern kingdom of Judah. Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he became king. He reigned 11 years in Jerusalem and he did uh, that which was evil in the eyes of Yahweh. Now here's a guy, we've heard of him before, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon advanced upon him and bound him in copper chains to bring him to Babylon. 11 years, he did that which was evil in the eyes of Yahweh his God. Okay, so... Nebuchadnezzar makes him a prisoner. Babylon now is making its move. Nebuchadnezzar brought some of the vessels of the house of Yahweh, that is out of the temple, to Babylon and placed them in his palace in Babylon. Now let me stop there just a second. Nebuchadnezzar had a different worldview of leadership than, than did the Assyrians, which empire, his empire is going to replace, is in the process of replacing. The Assyrians would take all of the nations they had defeated and absorb them into their nation. And they would do away with their culture. They would do away with their language. They would do away with their worship, their their view of God and so forth. And they would become part of this amalgamation of people 
who were supposed to be absorbed into Assyria. Thus, the 10 northern tribes were lost because the Assyrians defeated uh, the northern kingdom of Israel. But there's a difference here because the southern kingdom of Judah carries with it the covenant that Yahweh has made with David. So the line of David can't be absorbed into anything. It has to, be, it, it has to maintain purity because the son of David at, at the appropriate time at the end of the age will indeed be the son of David established on the throne. He will rule for a thousand years and so forth. So there is a difference between Israel and Judah. Now, God knows where those 10 tribes are. Judah is treated differently, as were the other nations of the world, when Nebuchadnezzar begins to deport them out of their land and bring them into his land for his purposes and for, for slavery, for his purposes. He would bring these conquered nations in and let them maintain their national identity, their ethnic distinction, their language, their culture. And he would select the wealthiest, the most, the most business-minded, the most administrative-minded people. And the youngest, smartest people, he would bring them in into his palace. And Daniel was one of them. And he would teach them his culture and they were to be emissaries. They would learn the language thoroughly. They would learn all about them. They would have their name changed. You know, Daniel had his name changed. Belteshazzar. He had a different name in that, in that Babylonian Chaldean culture. He had to learn their ways. He had to learn their culture. He had to learn their administration. He had to learn how the palace worked. He had to work, learn how their, their government worked. And it was his job, among others... Shadrach, Meshach, it was their work to keep things smooth between Babylon and Judah. So Judah would be given this large piece of property. They were known as pastoral people uh, who could grow animals and also who could, uh, were, were agricultural people. And they were given a place where Irrigation canals had been dug out of the Euphrates River. And one of those canals was called, uh, was it a Kabar? The, the one where Ezekiel is seated on and he sees this thunderstorm coming. So we're, we're, we're getting into the time here of Ezekiel, all right? Nebuchadnezzar would let these people maintain their national identity, therefore... They could maintain their worship of Yahweh, but they were under the iron fist of Nebuchadnezzar. They were defeated, enslaved people, but they were brought in to do what they as a nation knew how to do best, knew what to do best. In the case of Judah, namely uh, growing crops and uh, livestock and keeping that part of the kingdom well stocked. The capital city of Babylon, the Euphrates River, ran diagonally through it. It was designed, quote, to last forever. But it didn't. So all of the 
political leaders lived inside the capital city along with the king. They had their special residences and the king had a very tremendous palace. As the river ran through, the river would be a perpetual uh, source of water. The Israelites, and perhaps among others, but especially the Israelites, would be a perpetual source of food and uh, livestock. And some of that was permitted to happen in the well-planned city of Babylon. Some of that was permitted, was separated in the city of Babylon so that those who lived in the city would always have food and water and, and livestock. Now, the people, as, as what happens here, the people are very confused. That's, you know, isn't that strange? People today steeped in sin and in idolatry and in the, in the worship of the ways of this world can't understand that they're in sin. And it's because of the hardness of their hearts and what sin does to people over a period of time. So the people reckon, well, God raises up Ezekiel, who was a young guy. He was what I call a seminary student. He was in the priesthood study in the temple and he raises him up to be the prophet. He's the one that has the appearance of the Mechbah, the, the chariot throne of God coming from the north and it looks like, a, looks like a tremendous storm with lightning and sounds and then it comes and it comes to rest over Ezekiel and it's borne up by those four cherubim, their eyes and their wings and the whirring of the sound and all of that stuff. And at the top, at the pinnacle, this is the throne of the Son of God. He talks about it in Ezekiel, early chapters. And so he's, he's called and commissioned to be the prophet to the people in, in early captivity. That's what he is. He's sort, of a, he's sort of a messenger between God and the people. He even makes them understand how it is, why they're enslaved and why the temple was... Uh, was destroyed and how it was that Gentiles could walk right into the Holy of Holies without being destroyed by Yahweh. It's because of their sin and because way back early in the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel notes and Yahweh says, you will note that I have left the building. Yahweh has left the building. He, he wasn't there. And taken up in the spirit, what Ezekiel saw were things that he didn't see as a young seminary student, namely in those tunnels that ran under the temple were idols and carved images into the walls under the temple where the priesthood worshiped. Graven images, if you can think about that. So you see, it was just a, it was a total collapse into sin by everything there, by all of the sectors of the society upon which Israel and then Judah uh, were built. Okay, so here it is. Nebuchadnezzar, we're going to see this, it's in, other, it's in other scriptures as well, but we're going to see that Yah, and, you know, Nebuchadnezzar at this point doesn't have any clue that he is an instrument of Yahweh, the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jehovah. He doesn't have a clue. He thinks it's all about him. <laughs> it's crazy. Until, he, until, he, until God makes him live with the cows and he thinks he's a cow. And for seven years, 
he's naked and eats grass. Reminds me of a college guy I went to school with. Anyway, uh, just had a thought there. Um, so here we go. Uh, the rest of the affairs of Jehoiakim, the abominations which he committed, that which was found upon him, behold, they are written in the book of the kings of Israel and Judah. And Jehoiakim, his son, reigned in his stead. Evil. Unchecked evil. Enslaved. And who cares? We're having a big time. So his son reigns and he said, now here's what 2 Kings says about that. 23 verse 34. Pharaoh crowned Eliakim, the son of Josiah, instead of his father Josiah. And he changed his name to Jehoiakim. Took Jehoahaz and came to Egypt, died there. Jehoiakim gave the silver and gold. And here's something that's, that's a, a note that's not given earlier. Gave the silver and gold to Pharaoh, but he assessed the land to give silver according to Pharaoh's orders. Each one according to his assessment, he exacted the silver and gold from the people of the land to give Pharaoh Necho. So Pharaoh comes in and he says, I'm going to send my tax assessor into the land and he's going to tell me what this land is worth and you're going to pay me taxes on it and you're going to get these taxes, you're going to extract these taxes from the people. So that's what happens. Uh, the big government of Pharaoh Necho needs more money from the people. And he does it, and nobody can do anything about it. Sin has so weakened the people and has so weakened the sons of David in the end of days of Judah uh, and has so weakened the culture and has so weakened the worship and has so weakened the, 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 the priesthood that they're just hapless and powerless when all of this is happening. Now, Jehoiakim was 25 years old when he became king. He reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zebudah, the daughter of uh, Padiah of Arumah. And he did it, which is even in the eyes of Yahweh, like all of his forefathers. But, so we're going to go quickly through this just to note he did evil. He, now, we have seen enough of the description of the evil to know what it is. It has to do with idolatry and the horrific, horrible, terrible kind of so-called worship that went right along with this idolatry. Um, in his days, Nebuchadnezzar went up and Jehoiakim was his vassal for three years. Then he turned and rebelled against him and Yahweh incited him against bands of Chaldeans and bands of Arameans and the bands of Moabites and the bands of the sons of Ammon and he incited them against Judah to destroy it according to the word of Yahweh which he had spoken through his servants, the servants, the prophets. Indeed, it was by the order, now look at this, it was by the order of Yahweh against Judah to remove them from before him because of the sins of Manasseh according to all that he had done. Now, Yahweh said he was going to do this. He gave a brief respite and he spared the land while Josiah was king. But Josiah's not king anymore. His son and grandson, they're all just evil, evil, evil in the sub. They go right back there. Now the, that Pandora's box got opened back in the time of Jehoshaphat, as I see it. And once you open a Pandora's box of evil, you don't ever stuff her back in there. Only God can do that through a cleansing of the land. So, all right. 
because of the sins of Manasseh, according to all uh, that he had done. And also because of this innocent blood that he had shed, he filled Jerusalem with innocent blood. Yahweh did not want to forgive. So it was cruel leadership uh, on, on the people. And the rest of the events of Jehoiakim and all that he did are written in the books and chronicles of the kings of Judah. And Jehoiakim slept with his forefathers. Jehoiakim, his son, reigned in his stead. And the king of Egypt no longer went out of his land, for the king of Babylonia had taken from the river of, of Egypt until the Euphrates River uh, all that belonged to the king of Egypt. So the Egyptians lost their power over that part of the land. And it was the strength of Babylon, the strength of Nebuchadnezzar, that kicked them out. So now the king of Babylon rules over that, over that entire area. So let's look at Jehoiakim and uh, the incoming Babylonian captivity. Jehoiakim was eight years old and became king, reigned three months, 10 days, did that which was evil in the eyes of y'all. Now think about this, okay? Eight-year-old kid reigned until he was nearly 12 and he did which was evil in the eyes of Yahweh. And at the return of the year, King Nebuchadnezzar sent and brought him to Babylon with the precious vessels of the house of Yahweh. And he made Zedekiah, his brother, king over Judah and Jerusalem. Now, these are those these are the vessels of the, of the temple. Probably some of the most, some of the, some of the most valuable vessels in the world made with the best of everything. You remember Solomon? They made it with the best of everything. It was, there was nothing like it in the world. Nebuchadnezzar now has taken it. And it is the abuse of those vessels that brings Babylon down 70 years later. Uh, Belshazzar, the grandson of uh, Nebuchadnezzar. That's another story. Uh, and he made Zedekiah's brother king over Judah and Jerusalem. So here's what 2 Kings 24 says about that. Jehoiakim was 18 years old when he became king. He reigned three months in Jerusalem. His mother name was Nehushta, the daughter of Elnatan of Jerusalem. He did what was even with the eyes of Yahweh like all his father had done. At that time, the servants of Nebuchadnezzar went up against Israel. The city was brought under siege. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylonia, uh, came to the city and his servants were besieging it. Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, came out to the king of Babylonia. He and his mother and his servants, his officers, his mighty warriors. And the king of Babylonia took him in the eighth year of his reign. He removed uh, from there all the treasures of the house of Yahweh and the treasures of the king's palace. He stripped off all the gold, de golden decorations that Solomon, the king of Israel, had made in the temple of Yahweh, as Yahweh had spoken. He exiled all of Jerusalem and all the officers, mighty warriors, 10,000 exiles and all the craftsmen, centuries of the gates. No one remained except the poorest of the land. He takes the best craftsmen, the best workers. Uh, he takes the best of the population. Those who were the smartest, those who understood administration, those who had been uh, high up in official rank uh, in the kingdom. He takes all of it and he takes the young, younger, bright-minded people, Daniel and others, and he deports them. 
He brings them over. He exiles them from their land. He brings them into his land because those people are very talented. And he will, you know, you see, it takes a while for him to uh, profile these people and uh, to get an understanding of, of who can best benefit Babylon. And he would bring them over. Now, there were, I think, three deportations. So you have to think about that. But here he's bringing them over uh, into Babylon and he left the poorest people of the land, the dumbest, uh, you know, just people who couldn't figure things out too well. So they, uh, they were left and those were the people who were left uh, to inhabit the land. He exiled Jehoiakim, whoops, I got, hit my, I got too button happy there. And he exiled Jehoiakim to Babylon, the king's mother and king's wives, his officers, dignitaries of the land. He led in exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And all the military man, men, 7,000 craftsmen, gate sentries, 1,000 almighty warriors. The king of Babylonia brought them into exile to Babylon. And the king of Babylonia crowned Mataniah, his uncle, in his stead and changed his name to Zedekiah. So he gives him, he gives the name as he sees fit and the people will continue to understand that he's only a vassal and that he's, he's, that Nebuchadnezzar is the one who is really in charge. So let's consider then Zedekiah uh, and the early part of the Babylonian captivity. Zedekiah was 21 years old. He became king, reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. He did that which was evil in the eyes of Yahweh, his God. He did not humble himself before Jeremiah, the prophet speaking from the mouth of Yahweh. So he's, he, he comes up in the times of, in the time of Jeremiah, who essentially had told the people, you have been so sinful that no one's going to come and help you. And you need to begin to prepare for enslavement and captivity. And they tried to kill Jeremiah. Jeremiah was telling the truth. And they didn't want to hear the truth. That sin was bringing them down to destruction. And so they tried it, I think, three different times to kill Jeremiah. But he, he like a Timex watch, you know, he took a licking and kept on ticking. Well, let's see how 2 Kings 24 records this. Zedekiah was 21 years old. He became king. He reigned 11 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name is Ahimetol, the daughter of Jeremiah from Libna. He did that which was evil in the eyes of Yahweh. All that Jehoiakim had done because of the wrath of Yahweh was against Jerusalem, against Judah, until he cast them away from before his presence. Zedekiah rebelled against the king of Babylonia. So that brought about then the destruction of Jerusalem. And he also rebelled against King Nebuchadnezzar who adjured him by Walachim. And he stiffened his neck, strengthened his heart not to return to Yahweh, the God of Israel. Also all the chiefs of the priests, the people committed many treacherous acts. So not only is it in the palace, but it's in the priesthood as well, you see. They defiled the house of Yahweh, which he had hallowed. And Ezekiel explains that. Which he, that is Yahweh, had hallowed in Jerusalem. And Yahweh, the God of their fathers, uh, sent upon them through his messengers, sending them early and often, for he had pity on his people and on his abode. This is over a period of time. People, the, the people seeking to convince the people. 
uh, through the mercy of Yahweh, but they mocked the messengers of God and despised his words and scoffed at his prophets until Yahweh's wrath ascended upon his people beyond remedy. There would be no remedy for what Yahweh is doing. They would be dispersed as he had told them. We're going to see that in our study of Deuteronomy. When they sinned so far, they would, be, they would lose the land for a long period of time. But then at the end of time, they would be brought back. So here it's beyond remedy what they had done. And he brought upon them the king of the Chaldeans. Now look at this. Nebuchadnezzar thought he was tough, smart, had a great army. You know, you know the only reason he had a great army, the only reason he had so much success is because Yahweh had raised him up to eventually bring his people into slavery as punishment for their sin because some kings earlier, he said he would. So the whole world is moving according to how Yahweh is dealing with his people. He slew their young men by the sword in their temple. He had pity neither on youth nor virgin, elder nor ancient one. He delivered all into his hand. It was, a, it was attrition. He just, if it was there, he would kill it. And if it seemed like it would be worth something, he might take it into slavery. But generally, he just wanted to kill everybody. Didn't matter who they were. And this is, this is the order that his army had when they invaded Jerusalem. All the vessels of the house of uh, God, both large and small, the treasuries of the house of Yahweh, the treasuries of the king and his officers, he brought everything to Babylon. They burned the house of God and they demolished the wall of Jerusalem and all its palaces they burned with fire. They destroyed all of its precious vessels. And he exiled the survivors from the sword to Babylon uh, and they became vassals to him and to his sons until the reign of the kingdom of Persia to fulfill the word of Yahweh in the mouth of Jeremiah until the land was appeased for its Sabbaths. For all the days of its desolation, it rested until the completion of 70 years. That's what Jeremiah prophesied. So here's how 2 Kings uh, goes with this. The ninth year of his reign, the 10th month, 10th of the month, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylonia, came. He and his entire army against Jerusalem and camped against it. They built works of siege around it. The city came under siege until the 11th year of King Zedekiah. On the ninth of the month, the famine became severe in the city and uh, the people of the land had no food. The city was broken into and all the men of war fled at night by way of the gate between the two walls that was near the king's garden and the Chaldees were surrounding the city. And he went by way of Araba and the army of the Chaldeas pursued the king and they overtook him on the plains of Jericho and all of his army had scattered and deserted him. They seized the king and brought him up to the king of Babylonia to Ribla, that's the place, and called him to account. They slaughtered Zedekiah's sons before his eyes. They blinded Zedekiah's eyes and he bound him with copper chains, brought him to Babylon. And in the fifth month, on the seventh of the month, that was the 19th year of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylonia, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, chief executioner, servant of the king of Babylonia, came to Jerusalem. And he burned the house of Yahweh, the king's palace, 
all the houses of Jerusalem, those were great architectural structures by Solomon, all the houses of Jerusalem and all the houses of the dignitaries, he burnt with fire. The entire army of the Chaldeans was with the chief executioner, demolished the walls of Jerusalem around uh, Nebuzaradan, the chief executioner, exiled the remnant of the people who remained in the city and the defectors who defected to the king of Babylonia and the rest of the populace. Now the chief executioner left over some of the poorest of the land as vine dressers and uh, as farmers. The Chaldeans broke the copper pillars in the house of Yahweh and the bases of the copper sea that was in the house of Yahweh and they carried off their copper to Babylon, took the pots and shovels and musical instruments and spoons and all the copper vessels with which they served and the chief executioner took the censers, the basins, both of gold and of silver, the two pillars, one sea, the bases that Solomon had made for the house of Yahweh. For there was no weight for the copper of all these vessels. The height of one pillar was 18 cubits and there was a capital of uh, copper upon it. The height of the capital was three cubits and a net uh, and pomegranates on the capital around all of it was copper. Uh, and such did the second pillar have on the net as well. The chief executioner took Sariah, the head priest, and Zephaniah, the priest of the second rank, and the three keepers of the utensils. From the city he took one eunuch who was appointed over the men of war, and five men of those who saw the king's face, who were found in the city, and the scribe of the general of the army, who had muster out all the people of the land, 60 men of the uh, people of the land who were found in the city. And Debuzaradan, the chief executioner, took them and brought them to the king of Babylonia, to Riblah. And the king of Babylonia struck them down and killed them in Riblah, in the land of Hamath, Judah, and went into exile its land. So these special leaders, the priesthood, these, the, these people who were leaders of worship, and it took all of those people and brought them before the king, Nebuchadnezzar, and he had them all kill, mass slaughter. The remnant of the people then fled to Egypt. Let's see how this works out in 2 Kings 25. And as for the people who remained in the land of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylonia, had left over, he appointed over them Gedaliah, the, the son of Ahakim, the son of Shaphan, and all the officers of the armies and all the men. They heard the king of Babylonia had appointed Gedaliah, and they came to Gedaliah, uh, to Mizpah, and to Ishmael, the son of Netaniah, uh, and Jehanan, the son of Kariach, and Sariah, the son of Tanhumet, and he was the Nitophatite, Jeazaniah, the son of Maakatite, of the Maakatite, they and their men. Gedaliah swore to them, their men, he said, fear not servants of the Chaldeans, dwell in the land, serve the king of Babylonia, and it will go well with you. And it was in the seventh month that Ishmael, the son of Netaniah, the son of Elishama, uh, royal descent, uh, came with 10 men with him. They struck down Gedaliah and he died and uh, Judeans and Chaldeans who were with him at Mizpah. And all the people, young and old, officers of the lands, they got up and uh, came to Egypt because they were afraid of the Chaldeans. So then Jehoiakim is released down to verse uh, 27. 37th year of the exile, Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, 12th month, 27th day of the month, Evil Merodach, 
king of Babylonia, in the year of his coronation, lifted up the head of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, and released him from prison. And he spoke with him kindly and placed his throne above the throne of the kings who were with him in Babylon. He changed his prison garb and he ate meals before him regularly all the days of his life. His meals, regular meals, were given him from the king each day's need in its day all the days of his life. Now that ends, uh, that, that takes us to the end of, uh, of Second Chronicles now. Over to back to chapter 36. First year of Cyrus, king of Persia, the completion of the word of Yahweh, the mouth of Jeremiah, uh, Yahweh aroused the spirit of Cyrus, the king of Persia. He issued a proclamation throughout all of his kingdom, put it also in writing, saying, so said Cyrus, king of Persia. All the kingdoms of the earth uh, has Yahweh, the God of heavens, has delivered me. He delivered everything to me, he says. And has commanded, has commanded me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judea. Who among you of all of his people uh, may uh, Yahweh their God be with or his God. Yahweh his God be with him and he may ascend. So that, that's the end of it. Now that covered several, that covered some decades there. But it takes us all the way through the purpose of the whole thing in Kings and Chronicles. Unlike what we have seen in previous studies in Jeremiah and in Ezekiel is the truth that Yahweh is in absolute control, sovereign control of all of the leaders of the world, of all of the nations of the world, according to how he will deal with his own people. And his word will not be stopped. His purpose will not be stopped. And finally, the son of David will be, as Ezekiel wrote it, we're not going to go back there tonight. As Ezekiel received it from, from the Lord, uh, the son of David will be established then by Yahweh, not by anybody else but God. Uh, it, it won't be, it, there won't be an open discussion about it anymore. And that, of course, is God the Son, Jesus the Christ of, of God. So it takes us then all the way through Babylon, and that's 70 years there. Past Nebuchadnezzar, past his son, even into the time, we have to go to Daniel to see his grandson, Belshazzar, uh, takes us then into the defeat of Babylon. So how did that happen? After besieging the land, the Persians noted that there could be a breach into the city through one of the corners, through the what they thought were, thought were impregnable uh, grates and fences where the river flowed in. And so they began a secret uh, engineering project. And in the course of some time, they finally uh, were able to redistribute everything so that they could get to that which had been protecting the city. And they were able to break through. And having then broken through, they poured in on the night that Belshazzar mocked the God of heaven. He called for the vessels of the temple to be brought in so that they could drink wine in their debauchery and in their drunkenness and mockery of the God of heaven. And that finger appeared. Menemene, you know, 
you've been weighed in the balances, you've been found wanting, and tonight your kingdom is required of you. And it was. That was it. Daniel was the only one who could read it. It was Hebrew. And he, could, he was 90-something-year-old Daniel called in to read the final prophecy which brought to the close of kingdoms, the kingdom of Babylon, Iraq, and brought in Iran, Persia. And um, Cyrus, king of Persia, you know, I was kind of young. Some of us will remember maybe when Iran was a friend of the United States and the Shah of Iran was the boss, the king, the Shah. He was a direct descendant of Cyrus. In case you ever have a trivia question, you might win a lot of money answering that question. All right. So that brings us then to the end of Kings and uh, Chronicles. Well, we've been there a long time, haven't we? So we're going to stop there and we'll have our uh, deacon prayer time.